Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. We all hate unfunded mandates from the government, but this is the Maricopa County demanding that the AZGOP spend 13 to $15 million instead of on a general election and winning elections, but on a presidential primary election, um, spending it of our money instead of the state spending it, who runs it already. I just want to set the record straight that her statement is not what she said to me. She just said she wanted to meet about ESAs. I'm happy to do that. If she wants to justify why working families are subsidizing private school tuition, then happy to have that conversation with her. I'm asking for the director of uh, ADOT Motor Vehicle Department to suspend the third party vendor's ability to issue IDs in Arizona for driver's license until we can get to the bottom of it. Well, I think we've got to take a look at Arizona's antitrust law and see whether uh, this proposed merger would be violative of that law, whether it is anti-competitive under Arizona's antitrust law. When an individual can't be promoted, can't move on to their next position, they're going to get frustrated and they're going to leave the military. So we potentially could lose significant leadership. And with me to talk about the potential for a former U.S. Senate candidate to be a near-future U.S. Senate candidate, a request for the state GOP to hold its own presidential primary, and more, our attorney Tom Ryan. Hey, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mark. And Chip Scatari of SNC Communications. Good morning to you, Chip. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to both of you. So the Wall Street Journal this week reported that Blake Masters, the uh, nominee for U.S. Senate on the Republican side from last year, is uh, thinking about uh, running again. Uh, for the U.S. Senate seat next year, in the uh, for the seat currently held by U.S. Senator Kirsten Cinema, Chip, this is one that we'd been hearing forever, seemingly that Kerry Lake was going to be sort of the heavyweight candidate in this race. Pinal County Sheriff uh, Mark Lamb is in there now, but any surprise that the Masters might be giving this another go? It is a surprise because I think the uh, conventional wisdom in the Arizona GOP was that everyone would clear the field for Kerry Lake, even though Mark Lamb, as you mentioned, is in. Um, but, you know, the big picture takeaway for me is this is not your father or your older brother's GOP. And by what I mean by that is we, you know, growing up and covering some of, you know, John McCain, John Kyle, um, it almost seems like if you're going to win a primary in this version of the Republican Party in Arizona, you have to not only embrace the big lie, but shout it from the rooftops or else you won't win the primary. And that is a major, major shift from just, you know, five or six years ago. When you think of Candidates like, uh, you know, potential candidates like former Governor Doug Ducey not looking at it, you know, Karen Taylor Robeson not looking at it, you know, other, you know, uh, mainstream McCain type conservatives not even looking at the field. So this has just shifted um, what the modern GOP is doing and what it looks like. The, The difference in this race is, you know, usually MAGA candidates don't do well in swing districts or swing states. But this appears to be a three-way race if independent or senior senator independent Kirsten Cinema runs. So it's kind of un- we're wading into uncharted waters now. So that's the difference in this race. Tom, do you think, let's say Masters does get into this race, does that change the calculus for, for Senator Cinema at all, do you think? Oh, I think it does. Um, because uh, Blake Masters is going to be very well funded. He was funded before by Peter Thiel. Uh, the venture capitalist, yeah. venture cap, well-known conservative venture capitalist. My my suspicion is Blake will have that again. Here's the problem that Lake and Masters have, and yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna just 
just ignore Lamb for right now because I really don't think he's that going to be a very serious contender. But Lake and Masters are going to have to uh, outdo each other going to the right. And I think, uh, you know, Chip's analysis that, hey, this isn't your father's uh, GOP anymore. They're going to have to move right and further right into the hard right. And then it's going to be so much harder to swing back to the center to pick up the moderate votes like you usually see happen. And that's why McSally went down. That's why, uh, you know, Rogers went down. This is it's going to it's going to happen again. You can't keep doing this. And I think, you know, uh, Arizona Republic columnist Lori Roberts had an interesting piece. I think it was today or yesterday about, hey, how about former House Speaker Rusty Bowers, who mm. stood up to uh, Donald Trump and the, the lies about the, that the election was stolen, which it was not. Um, the problem is that uh, a Rusty Bowers type, you know, a Bill Gates type, um, just has a very, very tough time winning the primary. And also, it's, it can get vicious, and it's not fun for them or their family. So that's their consideration. And I think that, you know, rightfully so, scares off a lot of quality candidates in a GOP primary right yeah. now. Chip, do you, you talked about clearing the field. Do you think that Masters, if he gets in, does that preclude Kerry Lake from getting in, do you think? No, I don't think so at all. I think they'll be both fighting for the, you know, the big Donald Trump endorsement, which is it's really interesting. And the governor's race in 2022, Trump endorsed, as you know, Kerry Lake. Very early. And then he also endorsed Blake Masters, which is a bit of a surprise in the Senate race because there's other candidates vying for his right. for his love. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see who gets that coveted endorsement. Um, you know, there's rumors all over the place that maybe, you know, Trump is getting uh, tired of Carrie Lake, that maybe she's taking too much <laughs> of the, you know, the oxygen out of the room and making not him shine as much as he wants to. So that will be um, really interesting. So for people who say it's a fait accompli for Carrie Lake, I don't agree with that. We have to see what can happen in the MAGA with the MAGA voters and MAGA crowd. Anything's, anything can happen. Well, so look in your crystal ball. And I know that they are often cloudy this far <laughs> out from an election. We're about a year, a little less than a year away from the primary. If it is Mark Lamb, Kerry Lake, Blake Masters in the GOP primary, who do you think wins? I think if all things being equal, and I, the big caveat here is if I think Donald Trump will sure. still endorse Kerry Lake, I think she will win just by the power of her personality. You know, she's a very gifted speaker, even though most of what she says is not the truth. But she's a very talented, you know, former broadcast journalist. She would probably uh, win. And then I think the general election between her, you know, possibly Congressman Ruben Gallego and Kirsten Cinema, really anyone who says they know how that's going to turn out, I think they're fibbing. Well, so, Tom, if you are Ruben Gallego, who is clearly running for U.S. Senate, he's he announced it quite a while ago. Who would you like to see come out of the GOP primary if it if it comes down to Mark Lamb, Blake Masters and Kerry Lake? Well, I, I don't think Ruben Gallego is going to worry too much about it because um, the the effort that has to be expended in the re- Republican primary is just moving so hard to the right that it, they're going to take extreme positions. And both both uh, Masters and Lake are funded very differently. You see Masters with uh, the venture capitalists, and right. Lake is very good at getting the, um, you know, the the PAC money, and and so uh, they're both going to be playing to that base. I, I think Ruben Gallego needs to stick where he is in the lane that he is, maybe moderate a bit from his positions, and I think he has a 
a reasonable prospect of success in the in the general election. You know, I think one of the biggest beneficiaries could be uh, Senator Sinema. Hmm. Um, if she uh, brands herself as a pragmatist, as someone who gets things done, being the key swing vote on, you know, infrastructure and the Infl- Inflation Reduction Act. And look what I've done for Arizona. I've brought back all this money for clean energy, for roads, for bridges. So she, if she wants to play that middle road, I'm pragmatic, I'll get stuff done type candidate. We'll see. But that this could really help her out to, di- to kind of distance her from the far left and the far right. Going for that moderate vote, I you know the independent vote chip I think is much like herding cats because they're not monolithic in mm-hmm. the middle. I mean, there are many Republicans who've left for a variety of reasons, and many Democrats that have left for the variety of reasons. But they they tend to drift back towards what their base had been before they left. So um, I can see her. I think you're right. I think that's exactly how she'll run. Look at all the benefits I brought. I'm I'm a bipartisan person. She'll try for that, but uh, so far I, I haven't seen anybody run in that that lane that's been completely successful. I mean, there there are a couple of them uh, back east somewhere, I'm sure, but <laughs> not out here in Arizona yet. So, Tom, as you're the lawyer in the room, let me let me go to <laughs> oh you. Oh my on God, you're a lawyer! I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> let me go to you on this. Speaking of Carrie Lake, a judge uh, this week said that she could have a couple days to inspect uh, signatures from early ballot envelopes in this ongoing case about alleged voter fraud uh, in the 2022 election. I think I know what you're going to say here, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> Any chance that there's some something significant that's going to come out of this? There's a greater likelihood you're going to be declared Mr. Universe today than she is wow. going to have. With this face made for radio? No <laughs> chance. <laughs> here's, here's the problem. Uh, election contests are are designed to be speedy beasts. In other words, we don't want things to hang around. Uh, we want a, a quick resolution. We had that problem uh, just after the turn of the last century where um, uh, Hunt and uh, George Hunt and Thomas Campbell mm-hmm. had a, a years-long fight. We adopted rules so that we didn't have to have a years-long fight. So all these things are just um, – all these other lawsuits that are going on with Carrie Lake right now are really just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The, the, the ship is sunk. Moving the chairs around now isn't going to help you one bit. Chip, there is lots of evidence that suggests that talking about past elections does not help candidates in future elections. However, it also seems though Kerry Lake has done a pretty good job of fundraising off of a lot of these like fraudulent election claims. So if she is going to run for the U.S. Senate, how does she balance that? Again, we're assuming she's going to run, claiming that she actually won the governor's race but also running for a totally different office in what would be the middle of her term. Yeah. Well, there's two separate audiences here for for Carrie Lake and a Blake Masters in a primary when people want to talk about the big lie and election denialism and election integrity. That works talking about the past. But where it hurts is in the general election. You saw it during the governor's race. She really didn't do a Carrie Lake really did not do a good job of pivoting about how are you going to help voters out? I mean, covering politics all these years, you've done, you know, radio and interviewed a lot of people. Most voters want to know, how are you, Mark, going to help my life get better? It really comes down to Mm -hmm. that. Personalities matter. So I think those, when you focus so much on the MAGA crowd and the primary, that shift, that pivot in the general is really difficult. And I think that's where if you're talking about the past, it's going to hurt your prospects to win a general election in a swing state like Arizona. There's, There's one other audience we need to talk about. That's the Arizona court system where all of these Carrie Lake cases, Mark Fincham cases, every one of them have gone down in flames. 
And now they're, they're getting sanctioned big time by the courts. And in the, the U.S. District Court of Arizona, Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham got sanctioned to $122,000. Um, Mark Fincham just got sanctioned down in Yuma for his lawsuit against Charlene Fernandez, 75000 um, He's going to get sanctioned again in Court of Appeals. I mean, it's just they're not getting the big picture that you, you can do this in the public, but when you come to court, facts, evidence, and the truth matter. Chip, let me start with you about uh, what seems like maybe a little bit of a kerfuffle within the uh, state and Maricopa County Republican parties. The Maricopa County Party wants the state to basically run its own presidential preference election next March, not have the state do it. But so the the state party, the party would pay for it. It would be one day paper ballots show up at your precinct. And Jeff DeWitt, the chair of the state party, is like, basically, why are we doing this? Yeah. Like, why are we spending all this money on this? Yeah. Now, I mean, he's the voice of reason on this issue because, you know, they want, you know, paper ballots. They want it all in person. Like you said, you know, when you do hand counts, it's extremely expensive, slower. Um, you know, first of all, they can't afford it. And I think most people who are analyzing this, who know a lot more about elections than I do, say there's just not enough time to process this. But um, I think this, this, you know, someone touched on this this week. This may be um, a way to show momentum for maybe we don't want to fund partisan primaries anymore. And I think there could be a, a movement on the 2024 ballot. Mm-hmm. I think it may be called the Make It Fair movement where you defund partisan primaries and make it an open primary. So I think these guys are not hitting on that. They want something else. But I think it's going to launch that conversation to say the biggest block of voters are independent, unaffiliated voters. And as Tom mentioned before, they're not monolithic, but they're a huge segment, largest voting block, and they're being disenfranchised now. Why are we doing that? So I think this this Geo, Maricopa County GOP play um, won't happen. Um, it's just, you know, it's more delusion. It's what they want to do to, they think, hand, hand counting and paper ballots all of a sudden. It's like we're going to go back to, you know, riding a horse and buggy and using typewriters is better than using, you know, modern technology. But... I'll leave it there. Well, so there's a deadline this evening that at five o'clock for the part for either party really to tell the secretary of state that they are opting out of having a presidential preference election. Tom, do you agree with Chip that there's a pretty slim chance that Jeff DeWitt's going to call up Adrian Fontes and says, yeah, we're, we're good. We'll, we'll do it ourselves. Uh, no chance. <laughs> and uh, it, it, there appears now to be a, um, a statement from the uh, Maricopa County GOP that uh, they, ca- they don't have enough time to call a meeting today. So uh, because their bylaws will not allow that kind of an emergency meeting, uh, it's going to be a, a normal presidential, preferential presidential primary by default. But that's a good thing. Uh, and I agree with Chip. I think, uh, I think we need to take it away from having the parties fund it and have it. I mean, if we're going to have the state fund it, we should have everybody be able to participate. Can I say something? You know, when I was covering, you know, politics back in the LBJ days, um, (laughs) when the Hindenburg went down, (laughs) um, you know, the Republican Party was the role model for uh, mail ballots. They had outworked, outsmarted the Democrats. It was their mail ballot system that helped them uh, win so many races. They were so organized. I mean, you could talk to political consultants back in the day. That that was their way of winning. Right. That helped them yeah. big time. They got all their early ballots, early votes banked, and they, they ran a successful program. It took Democrat Democratic Party a little longer to catch on. And now, because of all these, you know, shenanigans and all these, you know, things about election denialism, 
they've reversed that. So they're hurting themselves with now like moderate voters, centrist voters, independent voters. It really is bizarre. And it's total 180 from what it used to be 10, 12 years ago. Well, they've, they've also engaged. Sadly, you've seen too many Republicans engage in all sorts of hyperbolic statements about um, about the early ballots. For example, the whole story about ballot harvesting. That was that was basically a myth. They got the law passed, but they they scared people away, and they've they've added story upon story like that. All you know, all these claims of voter fraud, which they're, they're not backed up, and unfortunately, too many times we see Republicans who have voted twice, or people like Mark Meadows who claimed he was living in North Carolina and uh, Virginia at the same time and registered in both places. You know, it, it's it's sad. It's a it's a case of do as I say, not what I do, and and. The Republican Party needs to break away from that and get back to the the idea that making voting easier is not going to allow more fraud. Making voter easier, it gives a greater chance for people to speak out, and and they need to be not afraid of that. Guys, let me uh, bring up something that maybe can unite Democrats and Republicans, and that is sports. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We we saw uh, late this week, Chip, a, a state senator basically ask the State Board of Regents to investigate the athletic director at ASU. Uh, this follows the uh, university imposing a one-year ban on postseason bowls for its football team based on some uh, recruiting violations under the former head coach, Herm Edwards. Does this actually become a, a political issue? Obviously, we have a politician involved in the Board of Regents or appointed by the governor. So there's a sort of a political element there. But like, can this incident actually become a, a political issue, do you think? I think it can. I mean, let me say I'm Switzerland on this, but my wife has three degrees from ASU. My son just graduated from Barrett Honor. So uh, we have some ASU blood in the family. All right. But I think there's just been a, a very big frustration from ASU alums and students over Ray Anderson's handling of just the sports program in general. And by that, I mean most successful athletic directors treat their coaches like equal partners. Ray Anderson doesn't seem to do that. He seems to be on this mountaintop looking down at his coaches. He's not true partners. And I think um, all the stuff that uh, translated or transpired with Herm Edwards, the former football coach, um, why they didn't fire him. He, you know, received a $4.4 million severance or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's a former client of Ray Anderson. So I do be- I do agree with uh, Senator Shope. It's worthy of an investigation just to see if there's any wrongdoings or anything, you know, ethically wrong. I don't know where it will end up, but there's a lot of frustration in the ASU world. I know Tom doesn't like ASU, so he's going <laughs> to pile on. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a very visceral issue for ASU alums and students, I can tell you. I, Tom's like going to say wait for basketball season. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was just going to say, no, uh, we Wildcats, we love ASU. That's we, we love coming up to our home team, our home court up here in basketball oh, and God. playing our Sun Devil friends. No, the interesting thing is Shope's letter wasn't to Michael Crow, the president of the university. It was to the Arizona Board of Regents. Right, to Fred Duvall, the chair it, of the board, yeah. Correct. And uh, actually, I think that's the, the right, that's the right place to, to send the letter because something's amiss uh, at ASU. And I'm, I'm putting aside the U of A ASU stuff for a moment. Uh, there's, there is a concern there. And your major sports do a lot of funding, especially football. So it, it matters to the whole Board of Regents system if something's not being run properly and correctly. So I think uh, I give uh, Senator Shope uh, a lot of credit for writing it to the right place. And and I hope Mr. Duvall picks up the uh, 
you know, picks up the challenge and goes with it. And it's not not because of, not because of you, baby. I mean, we don't have to, we're wildcats. We're, (laughs) we are superior. And then the way I was real, I felt bad for ASU's new coach, Kenny Dillingham, who's a young guy who's I guess chaparral high school grad where two of my kids went. So shout out to the Firebirds. They, they, Ray Anderson told him 6.30 in the morning, like a few hours before this all was going to go down. Before he told, just before he told the team. Yes. Right? And all these, I feel terrible for these seniors and people who have transferred here. This is your last shot and you know you can't play for a bowl. So I hope, you know, hey, I don't have a dog in this fight. I hope ASU goes 12-0. and 0. Sorry, Tom. Um, just, to, <laughs> just to show, like, you know, that, that they come through this flying colors. You'd be okay with 11-1, right? As yeah, 11-1. The... Well, the, uh, UFA was, doesn't it... have a football team, so it doesn't matter. It was a Oof. biblical biblical start to the season <laughs> last night. There was a big storm, haboob, or whatever, you know, does storm. And uh, I think next weekend is the plague of locusts. So we'll see how this whole season <laughs> I, I do out. have to say, we were at the Counting Crows concert last night. When he, when they sang Rain King, it literally started raining right then. I mean, the Counting Crows were in town yes, last they're, night? Yes, it's a phenomenal well, concert. thanks for calling we're, me. Yeah, we're off topic. But he, he sang, they sang Rain King and the rain came. So, Do either of you think that this becomes a like a, a larger controversy within ASU? Like, could this ultimately become a problem, for example, for Michael Crow at some point? I think so. I mean, it's uh, it, that's and I think that's why Shope sent it off to Mike Duvall or Fred, Fred Duvall, Duvall, rather. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Fred Duvall down at the Arizona Board of Regents. It is concerning. And, 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 and for the exact reason I said before, because of the funding that comes from uh, the millions and millions of dollars that comes from uh, football. I mean, th- th- we're already in a, a problematic state with uh, uh, conferences blowing up and realigning and everything else. This is not the time for missteps. And, and it's an, I think it's an opportunity for ASU and President Crow if they want to find a new athletic director, a fresh voice, new blood, different ideas. Um, you know, Ray Anderson's had a pretty long tenure already. It's a, I think I would view this as a communications opportunity and just an opportunity in general for ASU to move forward with, with a new, new leader. All right, we'll have to leave it there. That is Chip Scatari along with Tom Ryan. Guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Friday Newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.